Well, I want to minister for a little while this morning through a message I'm calling Destiny Altering Faith. Now, I have discovered over the years, typically people do not like abrupt change. In fact, most people don't even like gradual change if they understand that it's a big change or it's costly. The resistance behind change is fear. Fear of failure. Fear of the unknown. Fear of rejection. And fear of losing control. I want you to know something. The woman with the issue of blood didn't have any of those things going on in her life. And when Ruth followed Naomi back to Bethlehem, she too set aside all of that. And these are pictures for us to see in the Word of God that encourage us that we too do not have to walk in fear. I'll tell you what, failure was not an option for those two ladies. Failure wasn't an option. It wasn't something they even entertained. Each one of those women possessed, if you will, destiny-altering faith. And there is a relationship between faith and grace. The most rapid change, I would call it really a metamorphosis that I have ever been through and the most prodigious change I have ever went through is salvation. I want you to know something. It happened in the twinkling of an eye. I'm talking about salvation. It was instant, it was epic, and it was eternal. I love that about salvation. The salvation that I'm talking about came by faith alone. I didn't add anything to it. It came by faith alone. When I received Christ by faith alone, He altered my destiny. Now, prior to receiving Jesus, my life could be best described as a runaway freight train. I was on a collision course, and here's the weird thing. I was heading to an appointment of disappointment. Isn't that weird? That's ultimately where I was going, though. I had an appointment with disappointment. It was then, though, that the faith that was measured unto me by God, the faith that He gave me, responded to His extravagant grace. I want to tell you something. The night I received Jesus, God's outrageous gift of grace through faith did so much more for me than just stop my runaway train he altered my destiny, and there my journey began. It was a wonderful honeymoon. I prayed, God, don't let this end. I was so happy. I was so full of joy. I was so full of peace. And I said, Daddy, I, I just don't want this to end. And then some good-hearted preachers and teachers came along and they began to speak into my life and they began to build the infrastructure in my heart. In other words, what I'm saying is they began to shape in my heart what daddy looked like. I didn't know nothing about what God looked like. And so I began to see what daddy looked like. I began to see this is what he likes and this is what he doesn't like. Now here's his list of do's and here's his list of don'ts. And you know what? I took them all in. And what it did is it hardwired me to see daddy in a certain way. 
Let me tell you something. It was a mixture message that presented God with a co-payment gospel. I hate co-payments. I really do. I don't like them. A message that mixed law with grace. A message that mixed fear with faith. A message that mixed works with rest. That somehow I shared this responsibility with God to keep me safe. Are you kidding me? I want you to know something. It was complicated. And beyond that, it was exhausting. And then about 15 years into my journey as a believer, my heart began to grow restless. And in the midst of that restlessness, I heard the word of the Lord say to me, are you tired? I said, yes, Lord. He said, are you worn out? I said, yes, Lord. He said, are you burned out on religion? I said, yes, Lord. And he says, get away with me then, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. I said, you got my attention. This is when grace began to drip into my heart. I didn't even know what I was searching for. I was just restless. He said, walk with me. I said, I'll be happy to. He said, work with me. I'll be delighted to work with you. And then he said, watch how I do it. I'll watch how you do it. And he said, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I want you to know something. Those scriptures began in an early way to develop my heart and reshape my heart back to seeing Daddy the way he's always wanted us to see him. Amen. You see, he was saying, you got eyes, don't you, son? I said, I do. He said, well, then look at me. He said, you've got ears, don't you? I said, yes, I've got ears. My ears are tuned to your voice, Daddy. He said, you've got a heart. I said, I do. My heart is married to your heart. My hands are married to your hands. I said, Daddy, I'm all in. What I want you to see through the message this morning is that faith is not just for stuff. Faith is for grace. Listen, I want to tell you something. You could take everything I own. You could take my two cars, my house, all my clothes, all the money I've got in my accounts. You could dig one massive hole and put everything in there and cover it up. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't like it, but I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't shed one tear. It's just stuff. My daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's just stuff. But I've never been chasing stuff. I'm chasing Christ. I'm chasing grace. And when I say that, he's easy to catch. He doesn't stay ahead of you. He lets you catch him. He lets you apprehend him. That's true. Faith is not just for stuff. Faith is for grace. Faith and grace have a cadence that is unlike any other rhythm you have ever heard. You can preach law all day long. You can preach all these other things. And they got a little bit of a beat to them. But I'm telling you, there's a cadence behind grace and faith unlike anything you have ever heard. And they never get out of beat with one another. They never get out of tune with one another. When you find truth, you'll find grace. Where you find faith, you'll find grace. There's a relationship between them. And I've just decided to put my arms and my heart around both of them. And they all belong to Jesus and he's given them to me.
I'm referring to the faith that made me lie down in a green pasture and I'm still in the green pasture. I'm talking about a faith that leads me beside still waters and in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm talking about the faith that is at work in me, reshaping my heart so that I would have accurate images of my daddy. Because if you don't see him right, you're going to be fearful of him. When Adam sinned, what's the first thing it says? He says he was afraid. See, we're not under condemnation. We're not under judgment today. So when we blow, we don't have to be afraid. We don't need to have to run and find a bush. We don't need to find a little animal and make some stuff for us to clothe us. No, Jesus has already clothed us with his righteousness. We don't have to be afraid. Man, I wish I had somebody in here that believed that this morning. I really do. We don't have to be scared. Daddy has paid for everything. I want to tell you something. When he saved you, he had to look down a timeline. And he had to look at my timeline and go, man, I can see all the things Mark is going to think and do and say. You know what? I'm still going to save him. I'm going to honor my son on the cross. I'm going to honor his sacrifice. It's not about him just honoring our sacrifices. He honors the sacrifice of his son. That blood was sufficient. I'm telling you that blood was sufficient. I'm talking about the faith that is in process of reprogramming my heart with new desires and purer motives so that I can tell others about the graces of God. Listen, you know what? The grace ministries get bad reps today because they say, well, you guys just get saved. You don't do anything. You just tell everybody to rest. Yes, pertaining to salvation. It's a finished work. We can rest. Jesus' work is done. Our work as ministers is not done. There's still things for us to do. Why do you think I'm here? There's things for us to do. Why are you here, Steve? There's things for us to do. I minister because there are still others on runaway freight trains, those that have appointments with disappointment. Destiny-altering faith has no mute button. I cannot remain silent. Destiny-altering faith reaches out to others through prayer. It reaches out to others through acts of love. It reaches out to others through hospitality and through serving one another. Listen to what I'm about to say. Because this is the way the Holy Spirit said it to me. He said, these expressions of grace are not a means of salvation unto the believer. Rather, they are a mirror into salvation for the lost. Did you get that? Did you catch that? He said, listen, you can work your fingers to the bone if you want to. And none of that is a means unto salvation for the believer. But I'll tell you what, there's somebody that's watching you. Somebody that's taken note that you might have just been with Jesus this morning. Somebody that's paying attention to that. And they're saying there's something unique about the heart of that man, that boy, that woman, that little girl. There's something there. And it's in those times that the Holy Spirit can begin to work in the hearts of those people. Amen. Would you like to have a part in changing someone's destiny? Come on, just be real. I mean, wouldn't you? It's not a trick question. Wouldn't you like to have a part in changing someone's destiny? I can't tell you how many hundreds of people I've had the privilege of bringing to Christ, mainly one-on-one. -on -one. There's sometimes it's been smaller groups, but one-on-one. -on -one. I'm telling you, as you go, he will appear. He will manifest in some of the strangest places. 
As long as you have a heart that says, I want to make my daddy look good. I don't care where I'm at. Hey, I've been minding my own business in the produce section at Walmart, and all of a sudden, daddy manifested his presence in there and say, it's that one right there. Come on, man. That happen to anybody else around here? It happens to me all the time. When my wife and I go shopping, she's on her own mission, man. She just keeps moving with the cart, man. And I here I am. I'm, I'm not trying to be playful over there, but when Daddy speaks up, I just, I'm sorry. Those eggs and everything else, they'll end up at my house eventually. My wife will throw them in the bucket, you know. But, I, you know, we're on two different missions. That's why she almost doesn't like go grocery shopping with me, I'm telling you, because it's like going by yourself, kind of. And I don't try to do this. It's all Daddy doing this stuff. If you would like a part in changing someone else's destiny, then determine in your heart to be a dispenser of prayer. You must never overlook prayer. Determine in your heart to dispense love. Maybe sometimes that's a little harder. Determine in your heart to dispense hospitality and to serve others. When I speak of a destiny-altering faith, I'm talking about the responsibility of faith. Faith has a responsibility. Faith is not an onlooker. Faith is not a bystander. Faith is poised. It's ready to move. It has a responsibility when it's released to go and do something and change situations. You see, God has designed faith to be responsive, especially when faith is married with grace. You see, when we think about Abraham, he is known as the father of faith. And his wife, Sarah, is known as the mother of grace. And I want you to know something. When the father of faith and the mother of grace came together, the child of promise was born. That's the power of faith and grace working together. They produce life. It gets me excited. They produce life. I love it. A child with an inheritance far superior to the one that was born from the natural man. We're talking about Isaac. We're talking about Ishmael. I don't want to birth my own Ishmael. I want to wait on the promises. The promises sometimes can come that fast. Sometimes there's a period of time we have to wait for promises. I get it. There's an appointed time for everything under the sun. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, we see these words. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. For by grace, there's your mother, the mother... Sarah, right there. For by grace are you saved through faith. There's your father. For by grace are you saved. When they came together, what did it do? It released the gift. The gift of what? The gift of salvation. Therefore, when we pray in faith, and we love in faith, and we're hospitable in faith, and when we serve one another in faith, there is a grace released that is responsible to alter destinies, to fulfill promises, and to release a rich, rich inheritance. Now listen to me. I'm not talking about the name it and claim it and take it home and frame it gospel. And I'm not talking about barking orders at God like he's some sort of minimum wage waiter. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a destiny altering faith, a faith that does not always come with words. It just believes God. It just trusts at all times. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about. It's an awesome faith. 
The faith that does not waver between two opinions. Get this established in your heart. One of the biggest mistakes we make is we waver between two opinions. I've kind of got the attitude now that God said it, God meant it, and I'm here to represent it. That's just the way I look at it. I'm just saying, God said it, God meant it, and I'm here as an ambassador of Christ to represent what he said, to represent my father, to make him look good. He is majestic, he is awesome, and I want to represent him well. I'm talking about a faith that does not get caught up in human philosophy. You see, when Ruth moved in to glean from the fields, she knew exactly which corner of the field to glean from. Sometimes we find ourselves gleaning in fields that we shouldn't be in, but she was even being orchestrated back then to find the right field and the right corner and the right favor manifested in her life. I'm talking about a faith that looks beyond the handmaiden called Hagar. And says, no, I don't want to produce this myself. And it looks to the promises of God. I'm talking about a faith that believes nothing is impossible with God. We need to get that settled in our hearts. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, there's no need to be concerned with whether or not you and I have destiny altering faith. I've come by today to tell you we've got it. We've got it. And it doesn't matter if you have to stop and think about, well, I wonder if the right quantity is there. And I wonder if the right quality is there. I'm telling you, you have it. You already have destiny altering faith. I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, daddy has oversupplied every need you've got. Every gift, every calling, daddy has oversupplied it all. <laughs> Why would he undersupply your faith? No, he's oversupplied everything you need. He supplied you with every grace that you need. He supplied you with the love that you need. He supplied you with the compassion. Sometimes we just got to wake it up. Sometimes it's like an old sleeping dog there, and you just got to wake the dog up a little bit. I'm telling you, you already have everything inside of you that pertains to life and godliness. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we find these words. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man. Look at that. Hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. When our faith responds to the wooing and the calling of the Holy Spirit, we call that salvation. He calls, he knocks, we respond. We call that salvation. But let me ask you this question here. If our salvation is eternal, and it is, then what do we continue to use faith for? <laughs> How about this? Grace. We continue to use faith for grace, not just for stuff. A grace to flow in us and a grace to flow from us. That kind of grace. Faith and grace are the two arms that embrace the downtrodden and those afflicted with hopelessness. You know what faith and grace do? They reach down into burned up stuff and they extract beauty out of ashes. Say, look what that, look, look, look what daddy did when nobody else could put it back together. I'm telling you, if Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, daddy could put him back together again. It's the miracle of grace. It's the miracle of daddy's power and his ability to do anything. Faith and grace produce the promised child. They do. Faith and grace alter destinies as they point to the loveliness of Jesus Christ 
and his finished work on the cross. Destiny-altering faith does not just look forward. I know people say, yeah, brother, you know, that's why you got the big windshield and you got the little rearview mirror. You're always supposed to be looking forward. You're always supposed to be thinking forward when it comes to faith. No, I want to tell you something. There's times I get encouraged by looking backward. You see, I get to look back and I get to go back to a certain date and I go, Daddy, that's when you gave me a new heart. Then I get to go forward a little bit, but yet I'm still looking back and I would say, Daddy, that's when you began to birth the message of grace, the unconditional love of my father father in my heart. Daddy, I watched you heal the eye of that little blind girl when we were in Nicaragua. Daddy, I watched you heal this person. Daddy, I watched you save that person. Daddy, I watched you deliver that person. Daddy, I watched you rescue that family. Daddy, I watched you provide. I'll tell you what, it's healthy to look back. Look back at all the wonderful things of God. You see, that's what happened to the Israelites. They marched into that promised land and Joshua told him, he said, listen, man, don't ever forget what God has done. But the Bible says there came a generation that was raised up that neither knew God nor the miracles he had done. I don't know how you can get from that point to that point. Somebody forgot to talk about daddy. Somebody forgot to say, let me tell you, Son, I wasn't there, but my great-grandpappy was there. And my grandpappy told me about that Red Sea. My grandpappy told me about this and that. And it encourages me. And I want to share it because it really happened, son. I tell you, it's healthy to talk about the things of God, the things he's done, isn't it? It really is. Destiny-altering faith not only looks forward and not only looks backward, but destiny-altering faith looks around. Maybe that's why I get into trouble when I go to the grocery store. I'm looking around. All I say is, Daddy, I'm here. If you got something in mind, then let's do it. It looks around. You know, there was a woman that was released from prison here recently, spent 20 years in prison. She said, when I got out of prison after spending 20 years, she said, I couldn't figure out why people were looking down all the time. That's because they're looking at their phones. She said, I started walking down the street and everybody's looking down. I couldn't understand it. See, when I went into prison, nobody had phones, but now everybody's got one. I'm telling you, you will miss opportunities if you're only looking one direction. It's not always looking up. It's not always looking forward. It's not always just looking back. It's a looking around. Daddy wants to change somebody's life. Destiny altering faith looks forward, backward. It looks upward. It looks outward, but destiny-altering faith also looks around and seeks others so to faithfully administer God's grace. That's what it's all about. I told you, it's about God's grace. They're looking for opportunities to administer God's grace. We see this truth in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-10. through 10. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. No, all that sober means, it doesn't mean not drunk. It just means serious. That's all it means. So that you may pray above all. Love. Love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love is not trying to find faults and judge people. Love covers. Love forgives. Love lifts. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Look at those words. Faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Do you see the relationship between faith and grace? They're right there. Working together, faithfully administering God's grace 
in its various forms. The way I do it won't be the way you do it. It has different forms to it. It has different applications to it. But we're all called to faithfully minister the grace of God. In those four verses, we are exhorted to pray and to love and to be hospitable and to serve. Faith and grace, let me tell you something, have responsibilities beyond our honeymoon. <laughs> they do. They really do. Now, I'm not going to allow condemnation to hijack my heart because I know what Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is not going to hijack my heart on this one. But if I had to be real, I'd say, Mark, man, you're not a 4.0 student in any one of these applications. Oh, maybe there's days I have my shining moments where I might feel like I'm a 3.8 or something like that. But uh, you know what? I'm not going to let that condemn me because my heart does desire to pray and my heart does desire to love and my heart does desire to be hospitable and my heart does desire to serve. Listen to me. Not in an effort to become, but in a grace to behold. <laughs> you say, behold, behold what? Behold Jesus. Behold Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. The one who altered my destiny and he altered it by faith. Romans 12, verse 3 again. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly accordingly, look at those words, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, I want to draw your eyes back to the beginning of that verse where the Apostle Paul declared that the measure of faith came through grace. He's wanting his audience to see this. He's wanting them to see, listen, man, I didn't do this. This was by grace. I didn't earn it. I didn't work for it. I didn't merit it. There was nothing I did to warrant this. He said, this all came through the grace given unto me. That's how I got it. I'm telling you, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in Christ because I didn't get it by doing it myself. It wasn't my education. It was His blood. Wow. We have been given an inexhaustible supply of faith. Our faith is not for stuff. Our faith is for grace. That's what it's for. Friends, that's what happened in the life of the woman, the Bible speaks of that had an issue of blood. We find her story in Mark chapter 5, verses just 25 and verse 26. Very short story. There was a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said to herself, very important, for she said to herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I don't know how many times she might have practiced those words. She might have been practicing those words every day, and her faith may have been snowballing. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, that's all I need to do. And the Bible says that she said it to herself. She didn't say it to anybody else. Sometimes you just don't have friends that will understand your language. Sometimes you just have to say it to yourself. But the Bible says she said it to herself. There are times that we just have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Every Sunday afternoon, I'll spend about three hours editing whose ever message 
that got preached today. I'll take it home and I'll edit that message. An hour-long message takes about three hours to edit. And I'm telling you, some days it's tedious. You're looking at all those little audio waves and you're taking out. Two weeks ago, we had a dog barking out here in the, in the hallway. Somebody had a dog out here. But you won't hear the dog when it comes out on the Internet because the dog barking dog has been edited out. Sometimes you have microphone glitches and they got to go. Every if, and, but, every little stutter, every little sentence that didn't get finished has got to go. I do this because I want to showcase Jesus without distractions. I don't need my audience out there to go, oh man, that's just tiring to listen to. So we clean it up. There's times that we preach things in church that's only for the church. It's not for the entire world. And that will go too. And so I was editing Valerie's message last week and about an hour and a half into that message, man, I was just, I needed a stretch. So I came out of my office and I was stretching and I was rubbing my eyes and I came out in the living room and there's Valerie just chilling out in her chair She's got her nice little hot cup of tea watching a Hallmark movie. And I said to her, I said, honey, I said, uh, I'm about halfway done with your message. And I'm just kind of joking. I said, can you encourage the brother in the Lord? <laughs> and she said, well, David said in the Bible that there were times that he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And I said, okay, I got what you're saying, honey. And it was just a cute little exchange between the two of us. But it's true. There are times we just have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And that's what this woman was doing. She was encouraging herself in the Lord when she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She didn't say, I think I might be whole. I might be made whole. No, she said, I shall be made whole. There's times we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. I'm talking about those seasons where maybe someone else isn't praying for you. I'm talking about those seasons where others may not be demonstrating their love for you. People are not being hospitable to you. People are not being attentive and serving your needs. Yes, there are seasons like that. Seasons whereby we can't seem to find the shortcut out of our issue of life. I know we want an instant way out of everything in life, things that we don't like, but I want to tell you something. There's not always a shortcut out of your situation. Sometimes you got to take the long way. When Moses brought the children out of the desert, the Bible says in, I believe it's in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it said, And God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. So God said, listen, I know the shortcut, except I can't take you the shortcut, because when you see war, you're going to want to go back to Egypt. You're going to get afraid, so I can't take you that route. I'm going to take you around. That's what God is still doing for us. He's taking us around the issues of life. He doesn't just make everything go away. He is not a sugar daddy. He is a loving father who cares about his people and his children deeply. Friends, let me tell you something. There are times we just have to press through the crowd with destiny-altering faith. You say, what crowd are you talking about? I'm talking about the crowd of unbelief. I'm talking about the crowd of exhaustion when you don't feel like it. I'm talking about the crowd of fear and paralysis. I'm talking about the crowd of the co-payment gospel. I'm talking about the crowd of condemnation and guilt and fear and shame and hopelessness. And there's times that we just need to press through it, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, by using the faith that God has measured unto us for grace. 
grace as you're walking through. The Apostle Paul cried out to God on several occasions, and he said, this thorn in my flesh, I just can't bear it anymore. And God was basically saying, Paul, quit just looking for stuff. Let me tell you something, Paul, my grace is sufficient. I know you're looking for stuff. You're just looking for stuff to manifest, but I've come by to tell you that my grace is sufficient, and grace will bring your healing, absolutely. I'm not saying daddy doesn't heal. I've watched him heal too many people. Daddy will heal. In this woman's 12-year quest for healing, she depleted her bank account and she exhausted her resources. You see, she had come to the end of herself. She had reached the point where she was no longer in pursuit of stuff, but she was searching for grace. She was looking for grace. She knew she didn't deserve anything. She didn't have anything she could pay toward it. She'd already spent all of her money on doctors. She's got nothing left. What is she looking for? She has nothing to trade. She's technically not even allowed in the group because she's got an issue of blood. She was searching for grace. She was tired. She was worn out. She was burned out. She may not have had two nickels to rub together, but this woman was rich. She was rich in destiny-altering faith. And when her faith touched the hem of the garment of the grace man himself, the promise she had been searching for for years manifested in her body. She went searching for grace and she received her healing. You see, this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years and for 12 years she was considered unclean and she was literally shunned by everyone. Let me tell you something, friends. The loss of blood does more than make a mess. It depletes your body of iron. I know because I watched my mama go through it. When my mama was alive years ago, she had a trickle in her body somewhere that doctors couldn't find. And their answer was just every few months, let's put some blood on the inside of you. But as you lose blood, you get low in iron as well. And I would watch my mama, she would get so anemic that she couldn't hardly get from her chair to the kitchen or to the bathroom because she was so weak. So I understand. Now this would have only been going on for a few months. This woman has been dealing with it consistently, steadily for 12 years. Can you imagine how weak she is in her body, in her constitution, but she's strong in faith and she pressed through the crowd. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I believe she was moving people out of the way. She was parting her own Red Sea because she had determined in her mind, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I've already encouraged myself in the Lord. I know what will happen if I can just touch him. And friends, let me tell you something. We're not looking for a physical Jesus touch. Oh, someday that'll be of the case. But right now we have Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God. We have Daddy living on the inside of us. We're constantly touching Him. You can't get any closer. And I would take my mama to the clinic. I would take her to the hospital. And they would hang one or two or three bags of blood. And it would begin to drip, drip drip and let's throw a bag of iron in there and you know the most wonderful thing i watched my mama perk up like a flower that needed a good drink of water a flower that had run dry a flower that had been like in the desert for a while and it just got watered and i watched my mother respond that's what happened to me when the gospel of grace began to drip in my heart in case you don't understand what i mean when i say the gospel of grace i'm talking about the finished work of daddy 
I'm talking about the gospel where I don't have to add anything to it to be saved. I am as saved as I'm ever going to get. I'm as heaven bound as I'm ever going to be. I am going with him someday. But you know what? I am enjoying this journey here. I'm enjoying the ability to be looking around and saying, Daddy, who's next? Daddy, I'm walking in prayer. Daddy, I'm walking in love. I'm walking in hospitality. Daddy, I'm walking in serving other people. That's what happened when the gospel of grace began to drip in my heart. It was like a bag of blood on an IV pole and it began to just drip, 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 drip. You see, because I don't like rapid change either. <laughs> see, I'm like that person in the beginning I was telling you about. They don't like abrupt change. And in fact, they don't even like minimal change if they ultimately know that's going to be costly somewhere. They reject it. And that's what grace does when you begin to get a paradigm shift and you begin to see the goodness of God dripping in your heart, dripping the message of grace on the inside of you. You begin to change. You cannot stay the same. The gospel I'm talking about tells me I don't have to add anything to his finished work. That liberating truth stripped me of fear. Fear of failure. Oh, man, you ever been afraid of failing? Afraid of the unknown. I was so afraid of rejection. I was the shyest kid you ever met in your life. I just saw a picture of me the other day when I was five years old. My mom and five kids, it was taken at the Church of God in Nashville, Tennessee, when we attended there as kids. I mean, here's all the kids, all five of her kids. And I'm, I'm, I'm like this in the picture. Got my finger in my mouth. I, I, I don't remember taking the picture, but I do remember growing up, I was shy. And so when daddy called me to preach, when daddy called me to be in front of people, I said, you got the wrong person, daddy. It's my brother Kevin. We may look a little bit alike, but it ain't me, daddy. I'm telling you, daddy uses the foolish things to, to confound the wise. Because he said, son, you know what? I'm going to develop a better image of me inside of your heart. And I'm going to put you on a platform to stand on top of the whole world because I know your heart. I know what you're made out of. And you'll tell the whole world I'm good, won't you, son? I said, Daddy, I sure will. I'll tell the whole world how good my daddy is. And we are. And I don't back down. I don't want to fight with you. I do remember how to use these things. I grew up a fighter in school, man. I may not look like one, but I grew up a fighter, man. I knocked guys out before with one punch. I'm telling you, I was rough coming up, but I'm 23 years in Jesus now, and I haven't had to use these since. I use a different weapon, and it's faith. It's grace. It's the power of the spoken word. And it does. It does more damage to the enemy's kingdom than you can even imagine as you plant things in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, everywhere you go. His grace dripping in my heart, stripped me of the unknown. You know, I wanted to have everything figured out before I stepped out. I wanted every I dotted, every T crossed. But I'm telling you today, by faith, you just step out into situations and you go, my daddy will meet me there. My daddy has never failed me. My daddy will meet me in that situation. And my daddy will do an awesome work. I just marvel sometimes. I walk away from situations and I go, Really? I don't know why it still amazes me like that when daddy does something so awesome. I still do that. I go, really? Daddy, that was pretty awesome. 
And they're always so unique. That's why Jesus didn't do the same miracles the same ways. You know, one guy, he spit on his eyes, and the next guy threw some mud in his face. You know, he just did things differently so that we wouldn't say, okay, that's the pattern right there. Okay, if we're going to get somebody healed from an eye disease, then you got to put some mud in their eyes. you got to put some spit in their eyes. I want to tell you something. When Valerie and I laid hands on that little blind girl in Nicaragua two years ago, just like that, Daddy opened up her eyes. She was blind in one eye. I'd never seen the light of day in that one eye. Daddy opened it just that fast. I didn't put no mud in there. I didn't put no blood in there. I just laid hands on her with faith. What kind of faith am I talking about? I'm talking about destiny-altering faith, and it altered that little girl's life forever to the point that her mother said, and that little girl said, and the mother began to weep. And she said, she can see! I didn't do that. Daddy did that. That's the image we need to have of Daddy, that he's a good, good father. And he loves us. He cares about us. I had fear of rejection. That was a big one. Man, I, I'm not kidding you. If you didn't like me, I just fell apart like a $2 suitcase, man. I, I just, I did. I think everybody wants to be liked, right? They want to be approved. There's so many people that deal with rejection. It starts a lot of times from the daddies in the home, or maybe it's the mom in the home. And that's what happened in my life. My daddy rejected me at a young age, man. He had the firstborn, he gets everything. The next one was my sister. She's the only girl. Now she's the only girl. Then came me, the middle boy. Okay, what, what's he going to get? Then we had the next boy who was kind of a, a robust fella. You know, he's just chunky old Tim, you know. Let's just give, you know, favor to Tim. And then you have my little brother Randy came along. He's the baby. So I always felt rejected, you know what I mean? as that middle child and stuff like that. And so it started very early for me, but then it carried over into my school life and my adult life even, even to the point where we moved. And we moved all the time. And I would walk into a classroom and man I tried to hold my head high but I want to tell you something you just carry kind of this spirit with you you know and I had that spirit of rejection on me you know I was trying to fake it until I made it but it, it just didn't work and people would see me for who I really was and man I was a bully magnet that's why I grew up fighting man is everybody wanted to pick on Mark man everybody wanted to stick a pin in Mark day you know it's just the way it was until daddy said this is who I am son and even more so this is who you are do you see? You're made in my image. You look just like me. And I said, Daddy, I do, don't I? I may not exactly act like you, Daddy, but I do look like you because I'm made in your likeness, in your image, and I have your spirit living on the inside of me. And then that fear of losing control. Who wants to feel like they're out of control? I didn't want to feel that way. For the first time since my honeymoon with Jesus, I could get away with him and take a real rest. I finally got the revelation that by his one touch, he took away my issue of blood forever. The woman with the issue of blood was anemic. She was tired. She was worn out. She was burned out. Can I talk to somebody in here today that feels that way? You feel like you're a little tired. You feel a little worn out. You feel a little burned out on religion. And you don't have the strength or maybe even the desire to pray. You don't have the energy it takes. It takes energy to love somebody. The will to be hospitable and to serve others has kind of subsided. It is in these times that we encourage ourselves in the Lord by reminding ourselves that faith is for grace. 
What kind of faith am I talking about? I'm talking about the kind of faith that takes you from a state of hopelessness and helps you keep beat with the unforced rhythms of grace. The faith that daddy measured unto every man even at birth. I'm talking about the faith that reveals God as a good, good father. I'm talking about destiny altering faith. Friends, let me tell you something. The biblical story of the woman with the issue of blood is really only a natural picture of what happened to us in the spiritual realm. You ever ask yourself, why is that in the Bible? Why is that story in the Bible? Why would God want me to know that? Because he wants us to see the striking parallels. So that is a natural picture of what happened to us in the spiritual realm when we reached out by faith and allowed Jesus to touch us and we touched him. You see, we all had an issue of blood that made us anemic. It came from the tainted blood of the man they called Adam, that first Adam, and it was passed down to us by him. But when the last Adam came along, what's his name? His name is Jesus. When the last Adam came along, when Jesus came along, we encountered a grace reaching out to us from a blood-stained cross that produced life and gave us a destiny that was altered by faith. There are times in our Christian walk whereby the journey through and the journey around and the journey over and the journey under take too long for us. And I'm not asking you to enjoy that journey if you're dealing with something in your body, if you're dealing with something you're really wrestling with. I'm not asking you to enjoy that issue of life. I'm not asking you to enjoy that journey. I'm asking you to exercise faith destiny-altering faith so that you might apprehend the sufficient grace for every situation. Friends, the wonderful truths that reach out to us from the Scriptures are these. There is no failure and there is no rejection in Christ. There is no fear in love. We have been saved forever by grace through a destiny altering faith. There are no co-payments. Jesus paid it all. Isn't that good news? He paid it all. We have moved from the heathen land of Moab to Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means? It means the house of bread. Isn't it fitting that Jesus would be born? Bread himself from heaven would be born in the house of bread. We have moved from Moab to Bethlehem. We've moved into the house of bread. And the cadence along the journey has prepared our destiny-altering faith to collide head-on with the unforced rhythms of grace. The age-old question that Ruth asked. She asked this question to Boaz. She said, why? Why have I found grace in thine eyes? That's a good question, isn't it? Why have I found grace in thine eyes? I'll tell you why. It's because we no longer have an issue of blood. We no longer have an issue of blood. We have been transfused by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the same blood that ran down an old rugged cross. It is the same blood that removed the yoke of the Mosaic law from our neck so that we wouldn't have to carry that burden. Friends, our faith 
is not just for stuff. Our faith is for grace. And it came to alter our destinies. Daddy, I want to thank you for this word. I've enjoyed preaching it. It makes me happy. <laughs> it makes me happy. I love it. I want to thank you, Daddy. Beyond that, it, I believe it. I'm not going to have two opinions. In fact, I just have one. And it's not even an opinion. I stand on the Word of God. And the Word of God says, For by grace are you saved through faith, Son, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to thank you, Father, that grace strips away all my fear, the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, the fear of rejection, and the fear that I need to be in control. And it happens because of Jesus. One touch by Him, in Jesus' name, amen.